listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Fantastic to be with you. Whether you're watching this on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, whatever time you're watching this, just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas as we gather together, celebrate the birth of Jesus, our King, our Messiah, our Lord. So whatever today or tonight has looked like, whether it's busy or a bit quieter this year, whatever it looks like, wanted to gather and center on the story of Jesus, who's the center of all of these celebrations. We're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the story of the Magi. So we're going to begin in verse 9. The Magi have seen this star. They want to come and worship the King of the Jews. So they've traveled this great distance Uh, from Babylon, so in modern-day Iraq, all the way to the Holy Land. And they have greeted the King Herod, looking for this king being born. Uh, He is quite disturbed by this story. But we want to pick it up in 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen, when it rose ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This story is popularly known as the story of the three kings. We don't know if there were three. We don't think they were kings. They were magi, which has a link to the word magicians or these particular sort of uh, figures who read the stars from the kingdom of Babylon. The people of God had been exiled in Babylon, gone away. They dreamed when they were in exile in Babylon of coming back to the Holy Land. And so there's this sense of prophecy being fulfilled as these kings come from the east, from the place of exile, and come and worship the king. In Babylon, we read the stories of the people of God having to bow down to the Babylonian kings. So here's this sort of messianic return on the story when the Babylonian, the highest and wisest in the land, actually come and worship at the feet of the king of the Jews. Now, it's really interesting. The Magi, following protocol, looking for a new king, go to the place where a new king would seemingly obviously be known and born, which is the royal palace. No doubt they have connections. They are men from the higher echelons of Babylonian society. So the person they seek out is Herod, the king at this particular time. Now, obviously, these are men of importance because they get an audience with Herod, that's the kind of scene in which they move. But very quickly, they realize that the news of this king being born, this is, this is new to Herod. He knows nothing of it. In fact, Herod is disturbed. The birth of a king or someone pertaining to be king actually brings a threat to his rule. This is a potential alternative source of power. A pretender to the throne is what Herod would have thought of. So these men who are of importance, probably members of the Babylonian aristocracy, then come to this king, this this head of the aristocracy in Israel, but discover that the king that they're looking for is not found in the grand 
palaces and remarkable constructions of Israel. They're to go somewhere else. And they continue following the star until they come to Bethlehem. Now, what's really important to note here is Bethlehem, in our imagination, is this place which is connected to the nativity, connected to the story of Jesus being born. But at this time, this was literally the middle of Nowheresville. This was a town which was not known to people. This was an out of the way. This is an unremarkable place. I don't know what the most unremarkable place you can think of. Maybe it's the shopping center near where you were born. Uh, if you're from Melbourne, maybe it's like a service station somewhere, a boring cul-de-sac street. We know of all these great remarkable places in the world, the Eiffel Tower. Uh, you know, you think of, I don't know, New York City or something, these great global capitals, these remarkable places that we'll often go on holidays to get to and take photos of them simply because we can say we've been there and they're so remarkable. When we're in unremarkable places, we don't really take photos of them. They're not aesthetically pleasing. They don't offer us any sort of status to say that, hey, we went to that BP service station in that outer suburb next to an industrial park. But that's really what Bethlehem is like. It is this unremarkable place. So these magi move from the remarkable global center of Babylon, known for its hanging gardens and its architecture and global significance, make their way then to the very unremarkable small town of Bethlehem. Now, even though they have moved into this new unremarkable environment, they still continue with the precedence that is all around royalty. We read that on coming to the house, the fact that this very unremarkable house, which Mary and Joseph had been let into because they could not find somewhere to stay, that actually when they find this child, they still continue with the royal protocol. When they come before a king, which is to bow down and offer worship to this king. And then can you imagine you're just someone in Bethlehem. There's a hubbub as these strange visitors from a faraway place, these, these men of wealth and wisdom and importance come into your village. It would have been the talk of this small place. Who are these men? We've never seen people like this in our village before. They come to this house where a baby has been born and their clothes, their accents, their language, the way they carry themselves is completely different to what people in Bethlehem are used to. But then the moment when they then bring, after bowing and worshipping, these incredible gifts. Gold. First up, gold. This is not something which is seen normally in a place like Bethlehem. Frankincense and myrrh, these exotic, expensive, important spices, which in many ways acted like a currency in the ancient world, taken over thousands of kilometres on the backs of camels and traded as a form of currency to be gifted to people of importance. And so the people of Bethlehem must have been in wonder of these incredible gifts in an unexpected place and an unexpected time in front of this child who didn't look anything like a king in their understanding of what a king was. Remarkable gifts. Unexpected place. Coming to Christmas Day 2020, 
there's a sense of the remarkable. I must admit, months ago, I was looking to a much more restricted in my estimation of where we would be, particularly here in Melbourne. Many of us had the questions of whether we would be able to gather with friends and family, which would be in lockdown, as sadly some parts of the world currently are for Christmas 2020. And so this has been a Christmas different and unexpected to other Christmases. And Christmas 2020 is unexpected and unlike other Christmases because 2020 has been unexpected and unlike other years. Many of the things that we were meant to do this year, places we were meant to go, experiences we were meant to have, have been taken away. I felt like some of the gifts that we normally expect have actually been snatched from us in this unexpected year. But fascinatingly, in this unexpected year, it's also been a year of discovering and finding unexpected gifts. The fact that perhaps there's a different pace of life than what we thought was normal. Some of us have discovered that actually we're more resilient than we thought. Some of us have made big life decisions. People have moved away from Melbourne, changed careers, reinvented things, looked at their relationships, connected with families or friends in completely different ways. People have picked up hobbies and learnt new things and developed and stretched in unexpected ways. In the midst of an unexpected year, we've also discovered unexpected gifts. But I want to talk about one of the most central gifts that is even more radiant and unexpected than the gifts that the Magi bring. And to do this, I want to turn to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38. Technically, chronologically, we're going back in the story. And it says this. Now, last week we looked at Elizabeth, whose husband Zechariah was met by an angel of the Lord in the holy places who was serving at the temple, who told him that he was going to conceive a, a, a son with his wife Elizabeth, this son who would be this prophetic herald of the Lord. Well, the story progresses here. This unexpected pregnancy, this gift for this couple who thought they were beyond the time of getting unexpected gifts. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Here's this hint in the first earlier part of Luke, we had the mention of Herod, the bad king, the king who is infected with the world, with a quest for power, with injustice, who's threatened by the coming of the one true king. But here this hints back to David, the man after God's heart. Something new is beginning, something unexpected. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Troubled also in the way that Zechariah was troubled when he encounters the angel Gabriel in the holy place of the temple. And Mary wonders what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, and this statement is filled throughout the Gospels, a constant refrain, a note that is continually hit, this statement, do not be afraid. Mary, you found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendant forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Another unexpected gift. Even a greater miracle than Zechariah and Elizabeth falling pregnant in their older age. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, sorry, so so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in a sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary's response, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Flesh at this point had failed. God had created Adam and Eve in the garden, yet they had chosen to pursue their own ego, their own will, to eat of the tree, to try and be like gods and to respond to the temptation of the snake and flesh in humanity had fallen, bringing sin and brokenness and disconnection from God. But now the story is being made anew. Mary is going to give birth to a second Adam. The first Adam is born of flesh, but this second Adam is different to any other human born, not conceived of flesh like every other human up to this point, but conceived through the Holy Spirit. This is a humanity which lives by the Spirit. Jesus comes and shows us the way to live by the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit comes upon, the prophecy the angel gives is the Spirit will come upon Mary. Now, we spoke in the last service about the fact that when Elizabeth uh, was conceived, or the, the baby John the Baptist was conceived inside Elizabeth, that she went into a kind of seclusion. There's a different kind of seclusion here. The angel tells Mary that the power of the Most High, the Holy Spirit will come upon her and it will overshadow her. This is a kind of seclusion of human flesh where actually the self will be secluded and overpowered by the Holy Spirit. 
being invited into a new kind of living. But in the midst of this, Mary gives a gift. This is not a gift that you can hold, that is not tangible. This is not a gift that glitters or smells of incredible fragrance like what the Magi bring. Greater than the finery and glamour and expense of the Magi's gift. Before all of that happens, what sets that up in play is the gift that Mary gives first. Her response to Gabriel is to say, I am the Lord's servant. There's this interplay. Zechariah hears these things, but there's doubts in his heart. He hears when the angel Gabriel appears before him to say that his wife will conceive. There's a sense that he is part of the remnants. He is the, 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 the people who have held and been righteous before God. But in a sense, he's the last era. He's a bridge character between two phases. Here is a baton passing from the old priesthood to a young teenage girl. And that new world begins as God offers her this invitation. And Mary's gift is simple and it's one word. And Mary's gift is to say yes to God. I am your servant. Your will, not mine. Mary's expectations of what her coming marriage, her life with Joseph, of her life and how she designed it, no doubt, in her head. All of this was now up in the air. All of this had changed. All of this was now disrupted. Mary understands that something profound has happened, but Mary says yes. And it's at this moment, like a gift, when we have gifts, and no doubt some of you will have been opening gifts this morning. Maybe you're watching this and around your lounge room, there's actually wrapping paper that actually there's this sense where something is unwrapped at this point of time. What is unwrapped here is the flesh is unwrapped and torn off. And at the middle of that human flesh being put aside at the center is Mary's yes, revealing the gift beneath. Mary notes later on in verse 48 that God, and she sings this wonderful song of praise, the magnificence, and she says that he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary's yes happens because she is a humble teenage girl. And God is looking for humble, obedient people who say yes. She says yes because of God's greater yes to her. Mary can only say yes because this incredible moment of grace has happened when the angel Gabriel has appeared before her and shares with her the good news, the gospel, the evangelion that actually God is doing something new in the world, that Jesus has come and he's writing all of the wrongs of humanity and opening up a whole new possibility for humanity and the eventual reunification of heaven and earth, humanity and God. 
He says yes to us first. This is why we can say yes to him. That beautiful verse where it says, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. So Mary's gift is a yes. This Christmas, we may have a list of everyone we've bought gifts for, but I believe at this moment we need to stop and pause and remember what all of this is about is our yes to God and his open hand to us. But also what we must remember is we can only say yes because we, you, have found favour with God. Christmas 2020 has an unexpected gift. This year, when we've been taken away from so many of the things that we expected, the ultimate unexpected gift in all of this is that he loves you. He's reached out his hand for you. He's put favour upon you. In 2020, let's say yes to moving forward with him and being blessed as we walk with our King and Saviour, Jesus. Let me pray. God, we thank you for the fact that 2,000 years ago, you didn't stay distant. You sent your son to earth to live amongst us, to incarnate, born of spirit and of woman. We know, Father, that on the cross you gave your son so that humans would not be separate from God, but actually that we can again live with you, find favour in you. You give us this incredible gift of grace. Father, this has been a bonkers year. This has been an unexpected year. This is not the year anyone expected at Christmas 2019. We thank you that in the midst of this year that you have remained close. That, Father, in the midst of so many unexpected things, that you give us the gift of your Son. And may by the power of your Spirit, we say, yes, here we are, your servant. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.